All right, are we going to be bold and call this episode 19? Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> or are we going to call it episode 18? We're not going to get Legion watched. Fine, let's be rational about it. Fine. And we'll just tease it for years. And we'll, oh, it exists. Don't <laughs> yeah, worry. That's out there. <laughs> no place to hide. No place to run. No place to run. The mutant has now begun. If only we were here to talk about succession. We can do that later. Well, I mean, all right. <laughs> Instead, this is episode 18, I'm told, of Mike and Matt's excellent adventure. The podcast, its name, I forget because it's been so long since we've done one. This is New Mutants. My name is Matt Waters. I'm joined by Mike Thomas, fresh off of Saturday school. How is it going? Bring me the franchisable IP. <laughs> well, they tried, but it is no longer a franchisable IP, unfortunately. Because this is New Mutants, the Fox X-Men era going out with a fizzle rather than a bang. A weird little project that just maligned in development hell for so long that by the time it came out, it never stood a chance, I think is the thing, like... I'm not going to be the guy that sits here and tells you, no, wait, actually, New Mutants is good. I do, however, think, like, this has one of the biggest stacked decks against it of any film you're going to see. I, I just fundamentally believe that anything that goes through this level of, like, you know, we're going to do reshoots, oh, actually, no, we're not, that kind of thing. I just don't think anything good could ever come of that. And uh, it, it shows in the final product because, I mean, th this thing got greenlit off the heels of things like Deadpool and Logan working for them, of being like, hmm, what if we didn't do so much of the the big Avengers-style end of the world, only the mutants can save us, and what if we just did some like slightly different genre-type stuff? And I know, Dead, you know, we agree, Deadpool isn't as different as it makes itself out to be, but, you know, it, anything to break slightly away from the formula was welcome at the time. So this was pitched by Josh Boone as... A horror movie he pitched it as like a john hughes movie meets a stephen king horror or whatever and it's like okay yeah i can see that but fox said no don't do that please please just make it like a young adult hunger Games -y type whatever whatever but then it happens it makes a billion dollars horror becomes huge so they cut a trailer that's horror-y anyway and then that goes down really well and then they're like hmm could you make it a horror film after all and he says, sure, but I need to do a lot of reshoots. And then those reshoots never happen. And two years go by. And then Disney buy Fox. And then, you know, he steps completely away from the project, comes back to it completely cold to try and edit it. And you end up with this mess, which they didn't even do pickups. Like, beyond reshoots, they didn't even get to do very standard stuff. And you just end up with this film that feels just half finished <laughs> because it was I, I, this is a clarified now yeah a clarifying question they made what would be i guess a standard film i guess for lack of a better term and they tried to re-edit it into making it seem more horror than it actually was Correct. in terms of what was shot yeah he pitched horror they said no so he said fine he says he had a horrible time filming it because it was like not at all what he wanted to do and then they were like oh would you be able to make it more horror-y and he was like, yeah, maybe. For years, literally two years, they had these reshoots planned for apparently up to 50% of the movie to be redone, and they just never got to them. And he was like, 
the actors all look older now. It's impossible to get them. So they just never did it. And they just, you know, I don't like Mad Max Fury Road. I know I'm like the only person on the planet, but that's a movie where I hear production issues on the set, but they made it in the edit room sort of thing. But that to me seems like a rarity. Like, I think in general, you need to have the footage in the first place and asking him to try and completely change the tone of the movie with footage that doesn't match it is a crazy thing to ask. I also think it's worth noting for the sake of this discussion that the movie is starring an indigenous actress playing an indigenous character who's also queer. Yep. And Hollywood studios find ways of releasing movies (laughs) that have trouble post-production, production, production, Mm -hmm. editing, all the time. Especially when they are tentpole movies. We've seen some real dreck. Yep. Uh, that have had some real rough times with it. This is the one they found to basically burn off in COVID, uh, which I assume was like a contractual obligation to like get into theaters. I mean, the way I hear it, it, I mean, it it did have a theatrical release, didn't it? Yeah, last summer. Okay. When when no one should have been going to a movie theater. I don't think it came out over here. I think it was just a US release and it was a very short one as well. Like you would hear this, for a long time, why don't they just dump it on Disney Plus? And I think there was some sort of weird contract where they can't have it until 2023 or some shit, I don't know. But Disney took one look at it and were like, nah, this seems like trash, we don't want you to release it, kind of thing. I, um, I will say this, it made a shocking amount of money given everything. There is an X-Men fan base, and that, it didn't persist for this long without one, kind of thing, you know? Like, I, I kind of can't believe it made $47 million, given that it was released in a pandemic. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Look, like, Josh Boone, his, the biggest film to his name is, like, the, the Fault in Our Stars. Like, this dude is by no means, like, an auteur or anything, but he is passionate about X-Men, and specifically this, this sub-branch of X-Men, so... I, I think that goes a long way personally, and that's reflected in the casting to an extent. There is some controversy around, um, you know, he casts a Brazilian actor to play the Brazilian character. However, that character, there is a long history in the comics of basically people accusing Marvel of slowly whitewashing him because he is supposed to be Afro-Brazilian rather than... European-Brazilian? Sure, there you go. That's a much larger discussion to be had. I mean, at least the guy is actually Brazilian, so you're sort of like halfway there. But yeah, there's a bigger thing going on there. But, you know, there, there is a level of care from the director here that, you know, maybe if he gets things his way from the off, if he gets to make his horror movie, he gets to shoot it like a horror movie rather than trying to take normal-ass footage and make it a horror movie. Maybe it turns into something. He had plans for it to be a trilogy, each film to be a different sort of type of horror um the second one was going to go to brazil and be an alien invasion story um and then the third one was going to be sort of hell on earth type thing and then you know you have magic saving the earth from demons or whatever but we'll never know and of course as part of it being rewritten in one version of the script you had james mcavoy and alexandra ship reprising their roles but then i believe fox got really cold feet around connecting it after apocalypse did not do very well so they were like, mm, don't make it explicitly connected. So it has this weird vibe where like it could be the 80s because nobody has like a smartphone or anything like that. Yeah, it's just a weird one. Like There was no way this could have possibly been good, I think, is, is the big takeaway here. With, with how much meddling and change and, you know, connect it, don't connect it, 
John Hamm allegedly filmed <laughs> some stuff for this that just has never seen the light of day. The story, like, they're pulling from the the New Mutant story, which is the demon bear, but it, it just translates to, you know, we have this small group of mutant teens slash early 20s, who knows how old they're actually supposed to be, but they are in a facility that they spend about an hour trying to convince you is sort of an ancillary to the X-Men facility. My superior, you know, you're supposed to believe it's Charles Xavier, and then it turns out it's all run by the Essex Corporation, which is Mr. Sinister, which ties it in with Logan, and uh, I think X-Men Apocalypse had. Was there a clip in there of the of the facility in Logan where the kids were... I was going to say, it seems like that was shot to match the at least the vibe of, of that section of Logan, for sure. Even it, it might even have been fully recycled footage, I don't know. Right, but... okay. I was curious about that. I thought you might have been able to pick up on it. Yeah, um, I mean, it's a, it looks different than everything else in the film. And it, it, yes, it, that was it, the Yeah, the look was so, was so yeah. starkly different that I thought yeah. that was what got my, my brain spinning yeah. on that. Whether one. it was B-roll from Logan or like shot matching or actually Something. recycled, I don't know. I, I might rewatch Logan at some point. But you know, this is clearly their next big bad after like completely botching Apocalypse was going to be Mr. Sinister. John Hamm had ostensibly been cast but everyone downplays that when they're asked directly and you know a good a good villain who i would have liked to have seen on the screen and we've got all these dangling threads now that will never be picked up but yeah like he runs the facility and he's just trying to do his nefarious stuff and danny moonstar who is a psychic mutant is is conjuring people's fears including the big demon bear that looks like shit (laughs) because that's the thing like the first hour i think i'm theoretically there for it but it's a bit dull and then the last half hour is just a cgi mess is is my my sort of one sentence review of the film my one sentence review it is relatively well cast and cinematic looking television pilot for the first hour (laughs) yeah yeah Um, like the look of it is like Mm. i feel like josh boone is a huge fan of david fincher sure (laughs) In that I can't see anything half the time. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like every other movie with Fincher, you're getting something really good. Mm-hmm. And that, that look kind of works for it. Every now and then Here, you get a Zodiac. Every, <laughs> yeah, but like every other one. As, yeah, Zodiac you can see really. For some, Zodiac is the one you could just like, is brightly colored for some mm-hmm. the one with um, The one where you're not supposed to be able to see the goddamn killer. Broad daylight. There you go. Yeah, the entire time. Um, <laughs> yeah, that'd be my one sentence review. It's like, it doesn't... Well, you know, someone pointed out, a uh, friend on Twitter pointed out that, you know, the New Mutants comic, and you might be more familiar, has a very, like, bold look. It has a very, like, op- mm. uh, I don't know, was it avant-garde? Let me look up the word he used. It has a surreal, surreal imagery, a lot of surreal imagery. And yeah, so, yeah. I mean, he posted made it seem like not standard stuff, at yeah. the very least. There's definitely nothing like that in terms of the look. It really just felt like... We're avoiding the the general MCU television look that Marvel goes for. Yeah, and like maybe this is his attempt to, in post production, make it seem horror adjacent because it, it looks like I don't know, like House of Wax or some like low budget horror bullshit. Well, that was what, what. And speaking of that, that was one of my questions. Was it? I was like, is this supposed to be scary? Which now makes total sense because I'm just like, yeah. 
I, I feel like I, it's supposed to like there are things about this that make me think like it's supposed to be scary. Yeah. But there's really nothing scary. I would say the only thing that could have been was the look of those like creepy guys following and yeah, joy. Yeah. That they had a good look and they managed to make them not look so CGI. Hmm. But again, like that's yeah, like that makes sense because that's something you would do after you've shot your footage. Um, that's right. something you can do in the edit room. Right. But... And I like that look. Beyond that, though, nothing really... Yeah. I was like, I feel like I'm supposed to be watching a scary movie, and mm-hmm. nothing about this is even really attempting to be scary. Yeah. I, yeah. It was so strange. It, um, yeah, it's, it's very weird. Like, theoretically, I'm down for it. Like, you have a very, oh, yeah. you have a very small cast. Like, literally, you yep. have these six kids and their doctor. And like that's it. Like you have a couple of these little flashback dreamy sequences where there's extra people, but like, you know. And in theory, you're going from one to the other to the other to the other. This is their big nightmare, this is their their horrific traumatic flashback. And and that should be good. And they have this like, you know, nurse ratchet style, like caretaker who it was gonna be Rosario Dawson, but she dropped out, and I think it needed to be someone more like that, you know, more of a name. Yeah, um, I like I, I like Alice Braga. I just don't. She did not have the yeah uh, the chutzpah, uh, the chops. <laughs> sure. Yeah, especially when the rest of the cast are so much younger, and and several of them are like brand new. Like, in, like yeah. obviously, you know, you've gone and gotten. Maisie Williams and the height of Aya Stark, and, and you've gotten the kid from Stranger Things, and. Yeah, you know, they're probably kicking themselves that, you know, Anya Taylor-Joy, you know, a name that people knew, but, like, thanks to Queen's Gambit, is now a star, and they were just sitting on this, and it's like, ah, oh, if only we could have had her it's locked kind of, in for a few years, kind of thing. I know, it's, well, what they need to do is have another Hollywood actress who had no interest in being in these movies after <laughs> doing it before they made it really big. I mean, um, sure. In theory, this movie is doing a lot of things we have been asking. Yeah. X-Men specifically to do but mm-hmm. superhero movies to do in general which is stop making it end of the world yep. make it smaller stakes mm-hmm. uh, smaller scope of the story more yep. character base yep. there's no need to force it into a two hour movie there's certainly no need to force it into like apocalyptic stakes of any way whatsoever <laughs> and it turns out they don't know how to make one of those movies well um, I mean see all of the above I suppose is yeah. the answer but like yeah like one location seven actors 90 minutes i mean maybe it's 90 minutes because that's all they had and they wanted it to be two hours i don't fucking know but i'm a sucker for the kind of it's an old house but actually it's secretly full of technology and, and all of this you know I, I i dug that aspect but just it's so nothing yeah it's lifeless that you can just see that something is missing that it's half-baked yeah. Like not none like there are some actors here that I like. Yeah. I think Antonio Joy potentially is a real star in the making. Yeah. Like a Maisie Williams we know has something. Yep. Uh, struggling to but, turn that something into anything here. Yeah, it's weird she doesn't she hasn't like struck it big with the with the spin off. I mean a, a lot of the Game of Thrones cast are actually struggling in, in... Yeah. Um, I would say a big thing was in terms of the structure of the story. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like they for, like I just watched The Shining recently, and it's really unfair to compare this movie to The Shining <laughs> on a number of levels, obviously. Yeah. But like, while I would not expect like expert level craft from from the New Mutants, mm. there is something to be said that just because the audience knows nothing really bad's going to happen for the first hour of the movie, doesn't mean you shouldn't like 
do things to yeah. create tension, <laughs> to make them like anticipate, be anxious or eager for those things to happen. Like this yeah. really felt like it's like, oh, we don't want to be condescending to the audience and make them think something's going to happen for the mm. first hour of the movie. And then they just did nothing. And then the tone of the movie is so weird because it's just like, I think of anything we've learned in the last year, people will get scaredly adaptable to stupid situations that they should not accept. <laughs> so I'm just but a like, prisoner here? Yeah, yeah, you are. Okay, cool. Like, this really strains credulity. Like, these, like, these at least older teenagers, yeah. like, last couple of years of high school teenagers, minimum, that's their youngest they could possibly be. Yeah. And are just like, I'm in this giant <laughs> hospital building and there is one staff member here. <laughs> and this is just like acceptable. Yeah. I, I don't know what the other option was. I think maybe you just go full on like bizarro school, the gifted yeah. where you do everything in your power to convince, make it seem like this is actually a functioning facility of some kind. But yeah. like, that was just so, it was so out of place with the tone, which was, it felt like it was trying to be like pull some sense of reality into it, the world. Yeah, and like that was just so bizarre. That was just so out of touch with it. To an extent, they are seemingly trying to do this, but like if they had lent into like the kids slowly discover the school isn't what it seems. And it's like, but right. it seems like they know that this place right. is fucked, and they've just accepted. Yeah, I'm right. here. Um, Which is, I mean, it's a story. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like. Even right away, like they're just so like blase about it. It's like, like Anna Taylor Joy tricks mm. Blue Hunt to run away, and she <laughs> runs into like this magic shield, and she's just like, ha ha ha, we're all trapped here. It's like, <laughs> I mean, like you have some powers. Like if you're trapped here, you can do something about it. Part of me is like, yeah, sometimes this is actually how teenagers respond to things. Mm. Like I see it every day. I'm just like, why are you doing this assignment right now? Because the man with a pie in the front of the room just told you to. But, and it's like, shocking how effective that can be. It is, it is. <laughs> yeah. Just like a slightly stern voice and demeanor can make teenagers do anything scarily enough. <laughs> but, like, this is really a stretch. Yeah. Like, you could buy again. that, like, Wolf Spain, you know, she's got the intense Catholic guilt, like, I belong here or whatever, but, like, a couple of these, it's like, why the fuck are you accepting this? Like, why is rich kid who can just burn anything to death? Why is he just sitting there? I'm a big fan of magic as a character. Um, I think Anya Taylor-Joy, like, that was an exciting name to be attached as this character. It's really fucking weird to me they don't acknowledge that she's Colossus's sister at any point. Perhaps they just removed that at some producer's request. I don't, I don't know. But her as this sort of troublemaker, just sarcastic as fuck. Like, it is a bit weird, like... Her powers accelerate from zero to a hundred just out of nowhere. And it's like, oh, so you could just fuck up everything in this facility if you really felt right. like shit. Got you're it. Doing nothing. <laughs> yeah, like she can teleport. Like, are we saying that she can't teleport outside of the force field? Like, that seems right sketchy to me. But yeah, like, I don't know. Like, there's so much. Like, some ingredients have been dumped out on the table, and then someone made the blandest, weirdest meal. Yeah. And didn't use them all. Or I don't know. <laughs> I tend to side on the side of the filmmaker being like, listen, if jo like what would happen if Josh Boone got to make this movie? I'd much rather see the Josh Boone version, full on Josh Boone version of this movie. Yeah. Nothing about this movie made me think that Josh Boone's got some like hidden like point <laughs> of view or hidden yeah. talent that is being 
and like maybe we'll see in future films like man josh boone really had a lot of talent and <laughs> fox really screwed him over here maybe hmm. i didn't see any of that here though maybe he's a really good horror director but it's like well maybe. then where's the horror film he's made outside of this then <laughs> right um it just seems like i mean it, it's pretty uh, typical is that you know a young dude director mm-hmm. makes a successful film and then they get to make a tentpole film it's a pretty common <laughs> track right now yeah usually but... it's a white dude it just doesn't seem oh my god i just went to his imdb page and there's <laughs> this tragic zoom photo next to his imdb photo where the stars of the movie clearly had to still had some contractual obligation to try to sell this movie oh yeah zoom. oh yeah oh i feel so bad for them i know <laughs> They all look 10 years older. <laughs> That's what he was saying. Like, I can see that they've aged since I filmed them. <laughs> like, yeah. I can't just pretend for you that these people are still the same age. Regarding Josh Boone, never haven't heard, read a single good thing about The Stand. So yeah. he's the creator of that. Yeah, he's uh, super into Stephen King, which I guess is how you get to I want to make a horror film. And probably this... should have watched The Shining uh, at one point or another. <laughs> I think some producer tried to bullshit. They're like, this is the closest you're going to see to a superhero, The Shining. I'm like, you have done no one any favors by trying no. to say that. They, they actually meant the miniseries. The, the first time I went to watch The Shining, I got it from the Australian version of Netflix. And lo and behold, the miniseries version of The Shining showed up. Crushing. <laughs> I Absolutely forget crushing. all the time that you lived in Australia for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we could run through the actors... Uh, quickly yeah blue haunt seems okay yeah i spent the entire i've seen it twice now and i spent the entirety of both times completely unable to decide could you be something or were you not up to this and i feel it's just right down the middle yeah and i think in large part everyone was given so little to do that it's really hard to make a judgment call on anybody like if this was the only thing i saw anna teller joy it i wouldn't be able to make an assessment of her i don't think i would say she was the most likely to have something after this but i didn't i wouldn't yeah. feel confident that she would be good Maisie williams very different role from Arya stark which in general good for her yep and i thought she and blue hunt did have some chemistry yep but again there's so little there it's so hard to like get yeah. excited about or be enthusiastic about we, we were talking about like things we've been wanting x-men films to do and like you know X-Men needed to be gayer, quite frankly. Like, the, the big things that made X-Men so popular are it's very international, very multicultural, I should say, and it's gay as all hell. Point me to a straight X-Men character. There are none. And if this is as close as they ever get before, like, Marvel reboot it, that's kind of sad. And, like, you know, I don't think it was done in a sort of cheap way. It, it, was, it was handled relatively well. Um, yeah, it didn't feel cheap. It just felt half baked. But the whole movie, yeah, the whole movie's half baked. Yeah, exactly. That it didn't feel like targeted. It's mm. more like it deserved a better movie. Yeah, I I, I thought there was something there. Yeah, and I actually I kind of liked how they handled it. Like it felt very ordinary <laughs> in a human way. Just a missed opportunity. Yeah, Maisie Williams signed up uh, because of the the Catholic guilt angle. Um, right. I think she was raised in a quite intense religious family and and Josh Boone like talked with her about this and it is a huge part of, of Wolfsbane's character. I don't know how I feel. It, it feels so cliche, but I don't know. Maybe because it's... Catholics, man. They're, they're <laughs> wild. I don't know what to tell you. It's like, even when the religion part skips a generation, it's still with you. <laughs> it's a whole cultural shit. Uh-huh. I've seen the town. Don't worry. I, I, think, I think the three... 
best in it are Blue Hunt, Maisie Williams, and Anya Taylor-Joy. Yeah, they those were the three I found most interesting. Yeah, like maybe but you again, had something if you surrounded them with better right. or you wrote better for them. But, yeah. It, yeah, it really, it cannot be overstated just how little happens in this movie. We're, we're definitely not people that are like, Things need to be happening plot-wise for no. something to be good, but man, just nothing happens, plot or anything. Yeah. Um, Anya Taylor-Joy, clearly the standout, yep. right? I think we feel... Like they're giving her all the lines, like she's getting yeah. to do the pouty, she's getting to do the badass superhero line before she goes to try and kill the bear. Some she... grossness with the Native American slurs. Very casually done and thrown out in a way that i'm just like this doesn't really help anything and someone probably watching this is made uncomfortable by it is this this doesn't seem like a victory to me yeah like just having um, blue hunt stand up to her at one point and be like oh that's a good one blah 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 blah, blah. like it's like you haven't quite you know yeah. closed this loop up in the way you think you have but the two boys oh god uh, charlie heaton now. might as well not be here like yeah like that accent yeah. He he went so far into that that like it, it's real bad. Cannonball and his family are supposed to be like southern as all heck, but like this is just tone it down. You're doing a movie, like yeah. Henry Zaga mm. played Sunspot, uh, yep. taking over the role from the legendary performance Aiden Kanto in Days of Future Past. Again, <laughs> true, just nothing. <laughs> the things you were saying are true. Yes, he he is in this film. He... And then there's two adult actors of note. Alice Braga plays the doctor. I mean, mm. I like Alice Braga in some things, but yeah. just really, again, just gets nothing to do here. If the kids, if all six of them are as strong as the, as the main three, maybe you get away with it. Or are there five? I, I've keep... There's five kids, five kids and Alice Braga. Right, okay. If all five of them are really good, maybe you don't need this role to be big, but given you're working with... Yeah. so many fresh faces or whatever like this needed to be a really strong actor and yeah. she's fine but you can't be fine she had it she had to yeah. be really good and also just a note adam beach an actor i like played uh moonstar's father okay. uh but he gets killed off right away so he sure does. um what a befuddling movie it, it, in some ways it feels very fitting for mm. this to be the end of the fox <laughs> experiment like, yeah a, a movie with a very troubled pre-production yeah it doesn't sound like a particularly unpleasant production, which is, you know, for the, I guess, which is par for the course for the non-Brian Singer films. <laughs> and then, I'm sorry, could you, you know, please refer to him by his full title? Yeah, it's Childrick. This thank you, thank you. We were ahead of the curve on that, by the way. Yeah, one um, day we're going to get a cease and desist for this podcast, but that's fine. We'll delete it instantaneously. We have no <laughs> scruples. And then, you know, very clearly, Fox just having no idea what to do with this. Yeah beyond its franchisable ip yeah you know? i i can't help but look back at like the history of fox x-men and like you know we've done that to death basically this website is founded on on x-men movies but like the number of times where fox as a you know the collective of of suits and money men have just fucked this franchise like you yeah. had such good actors attached to this we take for granted they had patrick stewart and ian mckellen as their big two from day one and, and they were enthusiastic about it. They were what down for it. They were not, it. yeah, they were not Anthony Hopkins in a sci-fi movie where he doesn't understand what he's saying. Like, they, they, were, they were into it, and they gave it, and they, yeah. Oh. Patrick Stewart has been in, like, six of these movies at this point. <laughs> I think more than that. It's a really sad end, you know, yeah. and this is 
this is Stannis Baratheon charging in on Winterfell. <laughs> it ends on a whimper. There's no glory in it. Um, <laughs> I just, I keep coming back to, they don't know what they had all this time. Yeah. Like, they were first to the post by a long way. Like, Marvel movies oh, didn't yeah. get good for a long time after X-Men 1 was good, and X-Men 2 was very good. Marvel was essentially a decade behind, like, Marvel really putting it together in a coherent way that people mm. responded to merits, you know, people can debate forever about whether you know those merits hmm. but it took marvel really until the avengers to have a truly cohesive vision that's when like, it man yeah. yeah yeah that's like you're like okay this is what we are and people respond to it, they like it fox had that with x-men literally a decade before that they did and then um, just a series of failed experiments and yeah. canceled movies I, changed movies brett I ratner mean, the, <laughs> one of the curses is of course that you know the only person holding it together is one of the worst human beings in hollywood <laughs> and you know he couldn't even keep them like the. i mean i didn't realize how much of a troubled production x2 was mm, yeah. and so but they they pulled it together there was enough good footage that they pulled it together yeah it's been every other it's not been like every other film as in every other film is good it's just been you don't know when you're getting film to film and so much chaos and like they don't have Feige, I guess, is the thing. Which is ironic, because I think he was actually on set for X-Men 1 and 2, because his before they had an MCU, his job was to go off and oversee Spider-Man and whatever and whatever. But, like, Marvel, for better or worse, the people who actually give a shit about the continuity and whatnot are just fundamentally in a higher position of power than their equivalent. Yeah. There must be someone at Fox who was, like, deeply committed to making these really great, compelling, linked X-Men films, but just got shouted down by people who were like, yeah, we'll just de-age Ian McKellen in, a, in an origin movie. Oh, no, we won't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just, you know, they were lucky. I mean, this is not a trying to excuse the faults, but, like, Brian Singer <laughs> is a talented filmmaker. Yeah, um, unfortunately, he is that is infinitely true. infinitely <laughs> worse person, yeah. and I wish he never made a movie. I wish he had never had that power mm-hmm. uh, that, that making movies gave him. Yep. But he was a talented filmmaker, and they are probably the only other talented filmmaker to like be able to run wild with the vision is Sam Raimi in these, I guess, Christopher Nolan, I guess depends on how you feel about Tim Burton. Um, <laughs> I actually like Joel Schumacher, but you know, that's not a discussion. Yeah. Justice for Batman forever, obviously. Um, more of a Batman and Robin guy. Anyway. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Eyes to see you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it's just, it's just been a curse. Just a curse franchise. Yeah. Just, just such a curse franchise that terrible studio, terrible person with the vision, they lucked into so many good things despite all that (laughs) i think three of the most iconic castings you know the the two we've just mentioned and then hugh jackman as well being so committed for so long and then to for him to stick around through so many attempts at a wolverine movie and then they luck into a whole new generation and like you lock down jennifer lawrence who you know disinterested in being there maybe but still they got her and they got mcavoy and fassbender and they Who stuck works. around longer they, they than were they. clearly still very interested yeah like, still yeah. giving their all nichols holt was still giving it all yeah the end. yeah um, so many great actors that they just they stayed on board longer than to. they got oscar isaac to <laughs> in a movie like yeah just what could have uh, been you know yeah i mean i think probably the ideal way what, well, what we talked about the time. Mm. If you kill Jackman in Days of Future Past and you just close the loop <laughs> yeah. there, I think that's like a really like powerful way to end. Yeah. 
and then you can either start over or sell it while it's hot to to Disney. They kind of lucked into a great ending there. Yeah, which, which they didn't realize was an ending. Yeah. yeah. Or if the, you are going, you need to you need to find someone else to take over. Because no matter, like, let's just say, let's set aside the awful crimes of Brian Singer for a second. Sure. It's clear by this point he is incapable of just handling making a movie. Well, like, yeah, like I think over and over and over again, it's just a production disaster, right? Yeah, was it Apocalypse where allegedly Kimberg directed the thing because he just walked off set a few times? I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. But... I, I know X Two was bad yeah. in terms of production. I think Apocalypse had trouble production as well. Yeah. Um, I think he managed to hold it together more for Days of Future Past and X Men. And you hand it off to somebody who has a vision. And let Kinberg be like the continuity guy, like whatever. Like he's clearly invested, like but he just shouldn't like he doesn't just have a he doesn't have a great vision for it. He can be the he could be like this just a He can be the um actually guy. Yeah. <laughs> actually, he Magic can... and Colossus are, are siblings. There you go. Too. Yeah. But, you know, obviously that's not what happened. Yeah. And uh it's been up and down since then. Yeah. <laughs> A wild, wild ride. Yeah, and then like Deadpool as a weird addendum to that that may persist. Yeah. You know, this enormous hit for them. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, and also to a certain extent, it was out of their control because, like, let's just say financially, Dark Phoenix is just a smash hit. Mm-hmm. Fox is selling to Disney still. Like you know, oh, yeah. like yeah, yeah. like there was no like there was no happy ending for this in a lot and ever in a lot of ways. But um, yeah, it's just. What what a whimper to go out on! <laughs> yeah, weird. And like, no one will ever think of this movie. Like, no. the, you will forget this movie exists in you like re- five I, years. <laughs> it's so bizarre. It's I've never. I don't. It's very rare I've ever seen a movie where so little happens, mm-hmm. like anything, and not in a good way. Yeah, and you're like, oh, we're, we're heading into the the conclusion. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, basically, almost every scene functions just to give you background exposition on each character. And then it's just a really, you know, hacky final act that I don't even know what you could have done. I don't even know what you could have done to salvage that. Yeah. I will never forget Dark Phoenix because it pissed me off. You know, whereas this, 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 this does nothing. Like, this could just yeah. have, this might as well have not ever come out. Um, yeah. And actually, in fact, the thing it reminded me most of was The Wolverine. Yeah. And, and just. <laughs> I don't know. The Wolverine was. There's just like a competency to filmmaking yeah. there that's not here. Yeah. Like James Mangold is a talented like B movie filmmaker. Right. Or maybe B movie's not the right, but you know, like he's not ever going to be an elite filmmaker. But uh, like he's got some style, let's yeah. say, or. But completely impossible to be excited by the Wolverine. Right. Yeah. I'm sure there's someone out there who it's it's my favorite movie. I watch it once a month, but. <laughs> Yeah, just, it sounds like a prison sentence. Once a month, unless you're like, you have to watch James Bangles, The yeah. Wolverine. It's like, what was the other option? You know, <laughs> Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium. Right there you go. I, I forgot. Have you seen Breaking Bad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that like just that would have been, as far as I'm concerned, an equal punishment for Walter White at the end. He's trapped <laughs> in a cabin in the woods, and instead of two copies of Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium, it's two copies of The Wolverine. <laughs> And that, to me, would be equal punishment. <laughs> and uh, what a fitting way to not end Michael Matt's Excellent Adventures, because there is the lost episode to be recorded at some point. Yeah. And um, do we want to uh, speculate on what's uh, what's to come? 
I mean, eventually Marvel are going to do an X-Men movie. Do you think there was anything weird about how they labeled it? We've got mutants coming versus they were very specific about they have the Fantastic Four. Do we think that means X-Men is not the actual future? I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, potentially. And they could be saying, maybe you'll meet Wolverine before you'll meet the X-Men or something like that. They are very pointedly like, Fantastic Four is on the docket while we're going to take our time to think about X-Men. And, you know, Fantastic Four, there are fewer movies to put out of people's minds. Yeah. They are less recent than this. Like, a whole generation of people, like, they may love the MCU, but, like, these X-Men movies are very popular and are sort of the de facto versions of these characters in a lot of people's heads. So I think you do need to put it on a cooler for a long time before you... Like, good luck casting a Charles Xavier and a Magneto and a Wolverine. <laughs> um, well, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm genuinely curious what the plan is. I assume yeah. there is a plan. But yeah. I'm curious because so much of X-Men is based in actual history. Yeah. Like, I don't think you can do a Magneto that did not live through the Holocaust. So that right. means Magneto's been around all this time. Yeah. That well, they've tried to get around. I mean, you know, this is means- this is a lot of stuff. Like... Iron Man was originally tied into the Vietnam War, and it's like, well, right. not anymore, he fucking is. <laughs> it just feels like there's a big difference between Iron Man's involvement in the Vietnam War yeah. versus Magneto living, being in a concentration camp. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, totally. It, I, I assume this is going to be like a multiverse-like deal, where they're going to have to bring it in Maybe. for that, because no. otherwise it's like, you oh. have either been around the entire time, or you're erasing the Holocaust. <laughs> yeah. Or they do some bullshit about, you know, oh, he's done something to himself to make him live for 200 years, I don't know. Yeah, I I have no clue how they're going to get themselves out of this one. Like, the obvious one would have been, you know, when the world got snapped back together by by Tony at the end of Endgame. Suddenly now some people are mutants. Um, Some weird radiation from people coming back. Um, There was speculation that the people in Falcon and Winter Soldier were mutants, but that's... Spoilers, not true. They've certainly, in that show, they've introduced a location that is from X-Men. So some people went wild with that, but... I I remember, like, them teasing stuff about... Like, I received comments on Twitter about WandaVision. Man, all these X-Men teasers. I was like, (laughs) what are you talking about? What X-Men teasers are One actor. (laughs) And the whole point was that it almost seemed like a joke that he wasn't Quicksilver. Yep. That was yeah, it was meant to be tongue in cheek, but then obviously everyone just fucking lost their mind and were like, right, when do you think Charles Xavier is going to show up? And it's like never. Like, I mean, there is that whole ickiness of like they were not allowed to say the word mutant until they bought Fox, so they were always enhanced or whatever. And then I, they did do that thing where they they got to have it both ways, where it's like, oh, Wanda, it turns out always had latent abilities, and then the stone just boosted them, so she is a mutant. But I, I don't know. It's a tall order on their hands. Where do they go with it? When do they do it? I think we're going to be waiting a long time to have answers to those questions because they have a lot of movies and TV shows to get to first, and I think Fantastic Four are the priority for now. But yeah, so, so. all right, goodbye X Men. Yeah, bye, <laughs> goodbye X Men. Goodbye Mike. Bye, goodbye Matt. <laughs> At some point, Legion Series Three, or maybe not. Bye. <laughs>